Gillian Devlin in for Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, have you ever thought about what it's like to be a family carer? Paddy Fabadair has been chatting to Live 95's Sarah Coleman about his experience of caring for his two brothers and the financial difficulties that come with it. Well, I'm a carer 12 years now. I kind of slipped into it, you could say. I bailed out of my job in 2010 and I ended up as a, as a carer, kind of gradually slipping into it. And I was a carer for years before I claimed the uh, carer's allowance. People were saying I should. So finally I got around to it and I got the carer's allowance. And uh, as a carer, I'm, I am, would say, I differentiate would say I am the family carer as in against say a carer a carer goes to other people's homes and does their caring work and they help out you know they help out a lot of people all over the country but then they go home but as the family carer who's looking after will say your own siblings in the home and i'm the youngest it's a different ball game because it's 24 7 and there's you know there's no leaving it at the end of the day and going home you are home and uh, you're a carer 24 7. And you said that you've been doing this for 12 years. Um, have you got any government support or any assistance for yourself to get a break? No, no, it doesn't work that way. You get the um, you get the summer allowance, which is supposed to allow you to go on a holiday, but everybody knows you just usually use that to pay bills because you can't stick your, your family members into a nursing home if there was one available for two weeks or 10 days and say, I'm off on a holiday because one, it wouldn't be right. Well, in my view, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be acceptable. The other thing is, what are you going to do with 16 or 1700 euros for accommodation for, for your siblings, the people you're caring for? That's not going to go more than a few days. Now, the government know this, but uh, this is what they offer, you know. How does it make you feel to be the sole carer and how do you cope with it? Well, obviously, there is a high level of stress, you know. People used to say to me when the, the, the COVID lockdown started there two or two years, more than two years now, they were saying, how will you know you're in lockdown, Penny? And I say, well, I see it on the news. I must be in lockdown because I've, <laughs> I've been in lockdown for years, for 12 years. You can't go anywhere as such, right, when you are the family carer. There's no days off, there's no holidays, there's no weekends. I used to, you know, if you don't have a sense of humour with this thing, you're finished. Do you get me? Well, this is it. If you don't if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Isn't that what they exactly. say? Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what I always say. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. Now, what I say to people is because of the tax situation, right? Um, where as a carer, 24-7 carer, you don't go away for weekends, you don't go to weddings, you don't go for holidays, and you're only allowed to attend one funeral in any 12-month period. How do you mean only allowed? Oh yeah, because if you if you go to more than one funeral, when you die, you'll go straight to hell, where you will find the poor devil cowering in a corner, and you will find Charlie Hawhey and Bertie Hearn with their hands out wanting your carer's allowance back. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't laugh, you will cry. You have to have a sense of humour. Yeah, no, absolutely. In terms of, the, you were talking about, um, you know, the payment that you get and there was a number of years you didn't get the allowance and then you did. Tell me about that. Right, I eventually, I'd say it was six years, you know, 
doing my, my carer stuff before I applied for allowance. I got the allowance anyway and it was grand. I was quite pleased to get it. I think it was 204 euros a week at that stage. But then we got a rise. I think we got the rise last December, which brought it up to 209. What are you going to do with a fiver increase? Like, it's, you know, it's insulting. Mm-hmm. It's insulting. Now, and you've had some issues as well recently in terms of the, the tax. Yes. Uh, what what highlighted this for me, which, which started me on my, my uh, shall we say, my little soapbox, was I have the same pension since I left the job, since I took the redundancy and ran out of aircom. It never changed. And you just, you know, you throw the face slips, the pension slips in the bin. You know they won't change, but two, two or three weeks ago now it must be. I looked at one of them and I was down 135 euros a month. Mm-hmm. Now the pension is easy to remember. And it put a big dent in, in my little pension because I was still paying PRSI and now I'm kind of 135 euro tax taken out of it. Yeah, and that's because you're getting the carer's allowance. Exactly. I thought that this allowance that we do so much work to get was actually tax-free and I'd like to point out to carers around Ireland, it's not. They're not going to give us the COVID payment for being so-called frontline workers. But it would be very easy for the government if they were really anyway sincere about appreciating the work that carers do. The least thing they could do is remove the tax off of the carer's allowance. That would be a simple thing for them to do. It would save carers a lot of hassle and a lot of money. That's Paddy talking uh, to Live95's Sarah Coleman and he's a carer, a family carer, as he says, in Adair. We're joined now by Catherine Cox from Family Carers Ireland. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning, Gillian. Um, Listening to Paddy there, would you be familiar with a lot of the issues he's raising? I I certainly would. Um, Paddy's story is probably very similar to thousands of carers across the country. We know there's 500,000 family carers in this country, um, many of them doing exactly as Paddy does, caring 24-7. Some, you know, 50% are probably trying to juggle maybe paid work and care part-time at weekends, at nights. Um, And, you know, as Paddy said, it's a really challenging, it is a difficult job. Um, carers want to care for their loved ones like Paddy, they want to keep their loved ones at home for as long as possible but they cannot do it on their own and they cannot do it without adequate supports and services and I think that's what we really need to highlight the fact that those supports and services are not there, not just the financial support that Paddy mentioned but also the practical supports like respite, giving carers a break from their caring role we know the impact on caring, particularly over a number of years, the impact on a carer's physical and mental health can be enormous. We know that caring, you know, can have a strain on family and marriage relationships, anxiety for the future. We know the stress it can bring. And the reasons those stresses are there are because there are not adequate supports and services like, you know, access to therapies, access to OT, physiotherapy, speech and language, but access to respite for a family care to get a break from their caring role as well. So we really do need to see the complete system overhauled. Carers like Paddy save this day 20 billion euro every year. Yet, as he said, they get a carer's allowance and only one in four even get the carer's allowance because it's a means test payment. 
So, um, and as Paddy said, it's also a taxable um, for for other payments as well. And, you know, the point about the PUP payment is really valid one. Carers weren't entitled to the PUP payment. And now recently, just this week, we hear about the new payment for the people in the arts, which, of course, they deserve support and recognition. But why don't carers deserve or family carers deserve that support and recognition? They have struggled through the pandemic. They weren't prioritised for vaccinations. They weren't prioritised for PPE. Um, And here we are again, family carers being ignored. And the government is taking a gamble with this as well, because... They're gambling on people's goodwill and the fact that they'll be able to sustain the level of hard work and the level of poverty that caring puts them into. Because once somebody makes a decision, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to pass my loved one into, uh, you know, somebody else's care. The cost to the taxpayer rockets. Absolutely. And I, I think you're right. I think government but our society takes carers for granted we know they're not going to you know drop their tools down tools in the morning and say i'm not going to do this or they're not going to go out and protest so we do take that for granted um and and therefore i think you know carers probably don't have that same power that maybe other groups like our farmers you know who can go and protest outside the door they know carers can't do that. They don't have the time. They sometimes don't have that energy either because they're caring 24-7. Um, and, you know, we, we released a report earlier this week um, which looked at the cost of care in a home for a person with a disability. And we, it was compared with the cost of a similar home without a disability. And the caring home costs on average €244 Euro more per week where there is a caring need in a family. And the biggest costs were things like transport, but also caring costs, which included access to respite, to therapies, which families are having to pay for privately because they cannot access them through the public service or they will be waiting a year or two years or more. Um, so, you know, we know... It is very clear that the costs of a care in home are significantly higher than another family without a caring cost. We know carers save the state 20 billion every year. We know they need the support, yet that support is not forthcoming. And things like the carers allowance isn't an eligible payment for the fuel allowance. Like that is outrageous. We know the cost of heating in a caring home, the cost of energy and fuel is higher than other families because they need the heating on all day in in some cases. They need to, you know, if there's incontinence, they're continuously using their washing machines. Yet carers allowance is not included for the fuel allowance. There are things that could be done. The transport grant, for example, the um, mobility allowance was removed in 2012. We were promised a new transport scheme. Ten years on, we still haven't got that. So I do think government needs to sit up, look at the work that family carers do. They want to continue caring for their loved ones at home. Older people and children with disability and adults want to remain living at home, cared for by their loved ones. But carers cannot do that on their own. They need financial support and they need access to the right and equipment supports and services when they need it and not have to wait a year or two years for that. Catherine, what really struck me about Paddy's piece was when he mentioned he's only allowed to go to one funeral a year. Do you Did you understand what he meant by that? <laughs> 
I think, I, I suppose, I know with access to respite, it is so difficult to get access to, particularly emergency respite. And so quite often if a family, you know, go to the support service and they say, I, you know, an emergency has come up, it is very difficult to get that respite at short notice. So I know for families across the country, the chances of getting that more than once a year are almost, you know, it doesn't really happen, you know, in most parts of the country. Now, again, in some parts of the country, services are better than others. So there is this postcode lottery that we talk about. If you live in Limerick, for example, you might get access to respite, but down the road in Cork, Kerry, you may not. So that whole inconsistency and inequitable access to services needs to be addressed. We need to see uh, move away from discretionary services for home care and put it on a statutory footing so that every family care, regardless of where they live, should have access to a, a basket of supports and services which will allow them to care safely for their loved one, but also ensure that their own mental health and well-being is looked after as well. Am I taking from that that Limerick might even be better than average when it comes to services for care, family carers? I believe it is, um, and that's just going on our own experience. Um, I know in some parts of the country, respite is non-existent. Now, there may be parts in Limerick where it is also, even within the county, non-existent. But there is such discrepancies right across the country um, in terms of where you live determines what you will or what you won't get. Same with access to therapies like physio, speech and language. And I, I know there's a huge shortage of staff within the system at the moment as well. So so these issues are not just about financial um, problems. While we need finances put into services for family cares, we also need government and departments to look at how they can make access to these supports easier for family carers and how they can make it consistent right across the country. So long waiting lists and delays for supports are, are just par for the course? Uh, absolutely. And the, our report, the Messel report, um, really highlighted the fact that so many families are paying privately for those services and supports because they cannot wait two or three years. If you have a child or a young person um, who needs speech and language now, to deny them that for two or three years, you are denying that person the right to develop to their full potential. And that can have life consequences for that child or that young adult, but also for the family carer. Similarly, to deny an older person access to physiotherapy or occupational therapy, you are denying them then, you know, the the right to, um, or I suppose they're denying their their needs in terms of their care needs as well. So it is crucial that families and people with disabilities, older people as well, this is right across the board, whether somebody's caring for a child, an adult or an older person, they need access to these supports when they need it and not having to wait years for those supports to come to them. Okay, well, I know that there are carers at home listening to this at the moment as we speak, Catherine. Where would you recommend they go if they need to find out more information or get more help? 
So look, I mean, they can certainly make contact with ourselves. We're Family Carers Ireland. We have a free phone care line, and the number for that is one eight hundred twenty four zero seven twenty four. They can call us. They can talk to us. We provide supports and services. We also provide um, advocacy for carers. We will support them if they're engaging with their HSE or their health professionals. They can also go to our website, which is familycarers.ie. Um, and I would also suggest that, you know, talk to your local politicians, engage with them. Every year we put in a pre-budget submission to government. We say, here's what we need. Sometimes we feel that, you know, it is it can be falling on deaf ears, but we need to continue lobbying. We need to continue fighting. We need to have a strong voice for family carers, and we need family carers to engage with us to make our voice as strong as possible so that the government will prioritise carers and see the real value that they bring, not just to their own family, but to our community and to our society. Well, hopefully the new Senator in the Shannon, uh, Tom Clonan, who Indeed. is a disability rights advocate, uh, may be able to raise some of the issues that you mention uh, here, Catherine Cox, on our programme this morning. Thanks for joining us. And our thanks, of course, to Paddy and Adair for chatting to Sarah about his own issues. Your views, your news, your limerick today with Gillian Devlin in for Joe Nash on Live 95.